Okay, I'm just going to read this morning from a couple of different portions. This is Acts, the fourth chapter. Acts chapter 4. Verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Because we know Peter, Peter and, and John were fishermen. That's what they were. And Mark 12, verse 37, it says, the common people, they heard him gladly. That's what it says. The common people heard them gladly. And in this portion here, there were two sects, two major sects that opposed Jesus. They were the Pharisees and they were the Sadducees. The difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees <laughs> is that the Pharisees, obviously, they believed in the resurrection. They believed in the resurrection of the body and, and so forth. They did that. The Sadducees did not believe that. They didn't believe in any resurrection. They didn't believe in, in anything. And this is where a lot of bad teaching comes out of. Uh, there's all kinds of bad teaching that affects us today. So the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe that angels were personalities because they, was, they just didn't believe any of these kind of things. And they were the ones here that, were in, in, that had the dominant reign at this particular time. The Pharisees, we know, in Jesus' time, which was in the in synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and even in John. The synoptics are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then there's the Gospel of John, was the Pharisees, and they, they sought to kill Christ. Believe it or not, <laughs> they sought to kill Christ because they based what they knew, what they thought they knew about Christ was based upon what they thought was their own, uh, what they thought was their learned and lettered understanding of the Word of God. But you see, there's no understanding for any of us. There's no understanding of, of God for any of us other than Jesus. It's very simple. It's very, 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 very simple. And the whole point of the Bible we see in every single dispensation, every single time period, a dispensation is just God. There were certain time periods where God revealed himself and made himself known among those people groups to make them he made themselves known. That's what a dispensation just is. It's a providing of himself for people to know him, period. And so that's why us in the church, we know him in the height because we're in Christ. We are in him in, in the most intimate way of all people groups uh, that are on the face of the earth or in heaven and for all eternity too. And we'll all get to know him, and we'll see that uh, this morning here. But again, at this time, going against the disciples, because Christ has already gone into heaven, he's been crucified, we see in John 19, verse 30, he's finished the work. He came down and he walked on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights before he ascended back up into heaven. We know that based upon 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. We see that very clearly. But then he, he ascended into heaven. And, and he ascended into a place that as a man, the first man, he ascended into that particular place. And that's why us in Christ, we've ascended in him, in this place in the heights. That's every single one of us. And when, it's, I, I, when it says the common people, and I was... I was reading this this morning and I was so deeply touched by it. So, so very, very deeply touched by it. When it says the common people in Mark 12, 37, when it says that they heard him gladly, com the common people simply meant 
that they relied on Jesus Christ to reveal in himself who God was. They didn't rely on letters. They didn't rely on learning and institutions which had their place in the world. They were common people. They were just common people. And who isn't a common people? We all have in common. When, when God said in Genesis 6 and verse 5, and when he said that in John 8 and verse 21, in Genesis 8 and verse 21, in Genesis 6, 5, the fallen man, fallen man completely outside of the revelation and manifestation of Jesus Christ to our minds is completely ruined and only functions in evil. Now we all at one point, according to Romans the fifth chapter, starting in verse 12, but read those first 11 verses. That's who we are in Christ in Romans 5, 1 through 11. But in 5.12 to the end of the chapter there, 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 were, there were two men where it's brought out. There's, there's, there's two men. And we, are, we have something, we had something common in the first man. That means that it's every single person, every single person in Adam prior to receiving Christ we all had in common what? We were all ruined. We all lived by our own thinking or what we thought was our thinking or our own upbringing or how we were taught in the learned systems of the world. And the system of the world, even with the best intentions, even with the very, very best intentions, is still of the world and who, who was the God of this world and who still is the God of this world with common people in the first Adam. It's, it's Satan who's still the God of this world. You see that. And that's even in the religious sense when it says in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 3, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 says, if our gospel be hid, and by the way, there's only one gospel. There are not two gospels. There's only one gospel. There's only one gospel. Some think, and some have been taught, that there were two gospels, and they tried to say that when Peter was sent to the circumcision and Paul was sent to the uncircumcision, to the Jews, in other words, one was sent to the Jews and one was sent to everybody else, that there's two different Gospels. And there, there clearly wasn't. You can see that even in the first chapter of Galatians. There's only one Gospel. Only one. Because, and some would think that the, the teaching of the second gospel would be prophecy. But see, there's no good news because the word gospel means good news. And prophecy only has to do with judgment. The good news for us is that we were once common people who thought by themselves without Christ. We're not that anymore. We're of the second man, the second Adam. And that's brought out in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And you can look at verse 40 right down to the end, especially to the 49th verse there. We're of the second Adam. <laughs> the second Adam where God is working out his plan. He's still working out his plan, but it's only through the man, Christ Jesus, in 1 Timothy 2.5. So we all had that in common. Okay? That's what, we, that's what it was. But now we have all things common in Christ. And it means common, it means we all have that same fellowship. Jeez. We all have the same potential in Christ. We do, because we've been given Christ. Every single person has been given Christ. Nobody is above anybody or below anybody. It's the truth. It just, it just really, that's the way it is. And that's why it says in Mark 12, verse 37, the common people. Really, I like to think of it like little the little, just the little everyday common people, they heard him gladly. They heard him gladly because they, they heard the freedom of him who is that source of, of freedom and peace and that they had it in him when they received it. <laughs> That's what made them common. But the Sadducees, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, remember the Pharisees were with were coming, both of them, by the way, both the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes were these three groups who prior to Jesus Christ coming in his humanity to reveal the Father to all the common people, <laughs> everyday people, 
By the way, even when it says common people in Mark 12, verse 37, they were men that were doctors, you know, high, highly skilled in certain trades. But they were still common in the sense that they knew they had to receive something they couldn't do themselves because it didn't, wasn't based on them. That's true with us. So it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes. And they were all progressively further even removed from the truth. <laughs> further removed because the Essenes were even a more unbelievable group. They got alone and they didn't believe in marriage. I don't know how they thought they were going to add to each other. In turn, they believed in marriage, but they didn't believe in the sexual relations because they, they considered it to be impure, because they considered the body to be impure. All this crazy stuff. And they got to worship God, and, and they were useless because they kept themselves apart from everybody. They didn't want anything to do with anybody except their own. <laughs> That's where the Essenes. Those three groups, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and we know why they were sad now at this point, right? and the Essenes, were completely opposed to each other. They could not stand each other in their own understanding of what they thought or how they thought they knew God all apart from Jesus Christ and him and him alone. And they could not stand each other. But when Jesus Christ, when God put on humanity and faced them, they all went together and hated him. They all came together and hated him. Pharisees, again, in the, in the synoptics in, in the Gospel of John, but here in Acts, the fourth chapter, they were the Sadducees, and they, could not, they couldn't stand it. But the one thing it says is, and was, was being taught by Peter, a fisherman, who is this guy? And I'll tell you, I looked up again, and I've looked these words up several times in the original languages. But when it says here, when it says here, and I thought these things were very beautiful, and as I, God gave me the correlations and the things, I had to write them fast on little pieces of paper because that's how they were coming. <laughs> and, uh, but he said they were, they were unlearned. That's what it says in Acts 4. They perceived that they were unlearned. They were unlearned. And here's the word unlearned, okay? It's from the Greek word agramatos. Agramatos. And it's like they're idiots. And an idiot is where, like, we get idiosyncrasies. We only think according to ourselves. That's what we think, you know? We only think that way. And when they looked at the, these fishermen, these fishermen, you know, those same fishermen that when Jesus came by and they were washing their nets, in Matthew 4, 18 and 19, Jesus said, follow me. Put down your nets and follow me. Put down your nets and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Mark 4, 19, uh, Matthew 4, 19 and Mark uh, chapter 1 and verse 17. He said, put down your nets. Listen, I'm going to tell you, this is something Every one of us has in Christ. Did you know that? In some manner, that's who we are. Because we're not common anymore. Okay? They, he said, these Sadducees said, these men are unlearned. They're agramatos. What does that mean? They're unlettered. They're unlettered men without technical training. In the professional rabbinical schools, and at that time, the two great schools were of Hillel, this guy named Hillel, and this other guy named Shemai, or Shemai. The two huge schools. They didn't have that. There's a bunch of them around today, okay? And, and I don't mean to be critical or anything. I can't be. I can't be because we're, we're going to see this, okay? And I love what I read by a man of God way back, his name was Tyndale. He was an interpreter of the Bible. Certain things happened to him because God led him to do that. They ended up killing him, burning him. <laughs> and, and he said, when he, and Tyndale at that time, when he was to take the, um, the languages of Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek and make it so everyone could understand 
You know what he said? And I loved it. And boy, I tell you, when I read it this morning, I wept because I said, that's who I am. He said, that those that have this skill and understanding that only come from Jesus Christ has nothing to do with the natural, the common natural, not a single thing. He said that every plow boy, this we said, he said every plow boy should know and understand these things. What's a little plow boy? And I said, that's me. And God, and God, God was saying, that's you. And I said, I know, that's me. A little, I'm just a little plow boy. And you know, and you know what I ended up telling the Lord this morning? I said, God, you know, I don't even know if I could even do that right without you. And so I said, I said, I don't even know if I could hook up the harness the right way, or how many times it would take me. And once I even did that, I don't even know if I could do the straight line. I don't even know if I, I don't, th- I don't think I, I, you know what, I couldn't. And, and what he was telling us, and what he was telling me this, is that even those that he's given the gift for that person to understand and for others to understand, they have to be a little plowboy or a little plow girl. In Texas, they're called cowboys or cowgirls. <laughs> Here, we're, we're that too, right? And, and, uh, and that's why the, God a long time ago taught me and said to me, he said, Ed, I've never given you a gift to exalt you in the flesh, but to humble you in my presence. And that's the truth. These men, as, as far as these Sadducees under, <laughs> under the enemy, considered them to be men without technical training in the professional rabbinical schools. Just like they accused Jesus. You know they accused him of that? And they did that in John 7, verse 15. The same thing. Because who's an accuser of the brethren? Did you ever hear the accuser's voice that says, you don't understand these things? They're too big for you. They're okay for this person and that's not true. Because listen, let me tell you, even the one that gives it to you, nothing but a plowboy. Thank God though, nothing but a plowboy. Nothing but a little plow boy. And, uh, and then they said they were ignorant. This is idios, I-D-I-O-S, idios. It's where we get our, our word idiot. And but not in the sense of being absolutely, completely stupid, but just a layman. In other words, they're just a common person. They're a common person. They're not out in the city, in the world system, in the world of religion. In the world where you make everything to be something that replaces Jesus in you, that somehow replaces. I wrote this down a long time ago in in a couple of different places, but I also wrote it here too a while ago. And and, And the Lord said, you write this. This is for you. This is my counsel for you. This is talking to me. He said, he said, had you either... Either I possess you through Jesus Christ or you replace him with what possesses you. That's what he said. This is simple. And you can make it to be knowledge. That's why 1 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2 says knowledge puffs up. It'll puff you up. But if you're not, if you're not able to give people Jesus in that way, if you're not, then all you're giving them is your puffed up flesh. And we know in the flesh, prophets what? In, in Romans 7, 18, nothing, nothing, because we can do nothing without him in John 15, 1 through 5. And that's why it says in Romans 7 and verse 21, I know what's good, but how to perform that, I find not. <laughs> that's right, because you're looking other, and I would be looking other than to Jesus Christ. If I go here to find theology or scholarship, and completely miss Jesus, what do I have? I don't have anything. I have absolutely nothing. He said that they were, they said they were idiots. They were a man, listen, they were a man not in an office. Office. They're like a common soldier. Not a ranking soldier, not a general, just a common everyday soldier. That's who you are. That's right. And you know who heard Jesus and received him? 
Even those that were generals, they knew in their heart they were just common people. They were no different than their soldiers. That's why they could lead them properly. That's why. Because they knew they were little too. They knew they were small too. And so here, that's what they said, not a man in office, a soldier, not an officer, not an officer, not one who had rank, who had reputation. <laughs> you know, reputation is who men say we are or who we think we are apart from Christ. Character is who I am in Christ in 1 John 1, 7. No wonder those said to Philip and Andrew in John the 12th chapter and verse 21, they saw them and they said, sirs, we would see Jesus. That's what, they, that's what they said. We want to see Jesus. We want to see him. And so they were a man not skilled in the schools of Jesus' day. Many are not skilled today because their schools still being set up. Still being set up. And they all have their different understanding of God. And as, as a result, there's all kinds of division. Because in Revelations 2 and verse 4, when you leave your first love, and that's Jesus, that's an intimate, sweet, gentle, beautiful relationship with him. And when you have that in your private life, you bring that in your pub public life, verbally or non-verbally. And that's what we have the privilege to do. Because otherwise... They were the ones, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, especially here, were saying, look at these, look at these guys. They're idiots. They're in their own little world. And they don't have anything. They have nothing. But they were the ones, like we used to be, who really didn't have anything. Oh, we may have had possessions. But until we met Christ, those were the things that possessed us. And those were the things the enemy could use to keep us out of Christ, experiencing him, or to replace him, to replace him. And that's why we've been taught many times here through the Holy Spirit that Christ has first place literally by virtue of who he is. No one gives him first place. He is that by virtue of who he is. He and his deep love for us wants every place in us. Because every place that we have him is every place that we experience this deep love that he has for us individually. And that can't be replaced by anything or anyone. And that's especially in the most intimate way to be brought out as we grow in marriage. Because the church and Christ, the bride and the bridegroom, the husband and the wife all bring that out is all brought out, even when it's mentioned in Ephesians 5 and verse 25. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Well, which one's first? Christ loved the church. And he's going to reveal it through marriage. He's going to reveal that through marriage. Because otherwise, otherwise, these possessions, and, and, and it's not that we have these things. When they replace Christ, it's not that we have them. It's the enemy is using the things of the world in 1 John 2.15, to possess us and to keep us away from his intimacy. To keep things away from intimacy. And you wouldn't believe the ways and the things that he uses to keep intimacy in our own personal relationship, in our own lives with him, and in marriages and the local assembly. And so when we don't have Christ, when we don't have him like that, and again, that's going to stay with me this morning, what God what God gave me because for the longest time I, I would read these scriptures and I, I had the privilege to share them just recently with somebody in Pittsfield and you know what I love about you know when you're a little plow boy and you're a little plow girl you know what that means that when when you and I in our own intimate relationship when he possesses us it's a love that possesses us and never ties itself to our performance. That means my failure and my sin, and I don't want to, and we should not, but, but thank God for 1 John 2, 1 and 2 when we do sin, based upon 1 John 1, 9. But when we do fail and when we do sin, 
he, it, it literally doesn't do away with his love for us. Never. It's just something has replaced that experience. The depth of his love for us. And we have, and I got to share this with this individual, and he said, oh, I love that. I'm going to share that. I'm going to go, I'm going to a nursing home to, to preach and teach where I used to two, three years ago, and I'm going to go and I'm going to preach that because we all, what we have in common in Christ right now, I mean everything. You know, that's why there's no, there are no scholars and there are no theologians other than God, the Holy Spirit. I mean, every single person that God ever used was just a little plow boy or a little plow girl. Literally, that's it. There's nothing else, nothing else but Christ. And he doesn't share in Isaiah 42, verse 8, his glory with anybody. And he didn't give us gifts. And he didn't give it just to a few to have it in a special way to give. No, it's all ours. It's all ours. And when it's presented that way, then, we, then we'll freely receive it, won't we? When it's coming from a, a true plow boy or a, a, a true a plow girl. But Psalm 119, 140 says, Your word is very pure. In other words, it's very tried. It's very refined. And God is always removing in our experience the common to bring in the purity of who we are in Christ. He's got to do away. And that's why in our lives, even to this moment, he takes things away. Remember the book of Job. Every, listen, listen. And I say, listen, because I'm, I'm listening. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm one of you. I'm not above you or below you. I'm with you, truly. And I'm saying, wow. Remember the book of Job. And the Lord's saying to me right now, I want you to say, you listen to me, and it's coming out here. Remember the book of Job. Everything that Job had, I gave him. Everything. Every single thing. I gave him life, breath, hands, everything. I gave him the earth to dwell on. I gave him everything. And then I had to allow it to be taken away. Because those things were replacing me in him, my love for him. Oh, his love is irreplaceable. Because if it's not there, then some form of guilt and fear and condemnation takes place. I can tell you that. Without a question. And guilt and condemnation and accusation. Guilt is the impossible, unbearable burden. It's the only one that could do it, and Christ did. Your word in Psalm 119, verse 40, your word is very pure, very tried. Therefore, your servant loves it. I am small, 141. I am small. I'm little. And when I am, I'll be despised by the atmosphere. But one thing I don't forget, it's your precepts, because they were given to me through a depth of love in my own individuality that nothing can ever replace. And in my life, I tried to, when, when love was missing, and it's something I deeply desired even as a child, even as a young person, and didn't know it, but, I, but come to find out that's what I, I needed, and I'm not holding even others that were over me, accountable in guilt and accusation, because they didn't have it. We do away with the blame game. There isn't any blame game. But he said, I'm small. I'm small. I'm very little. I'm little. And we're all his children, every single one of us. In Galatians 3.26, when it says in 1 John 2.12 and 14, in any any local assembly, any gathering, a local assembly, listen, a local assembly are those, I don't care what their gift is, pastor, teacher, evangelist, gifts of helps, doesn't matter. Whatever that gift is, that talent you have, it just simply means that we're all gathered around Jesus Christ, all of us. No one is, is no, no one knows more and others don't know less. It's just not yet your experience, but it will be. It will be when he humbles us, and that's why he humbles us. But God takes away. And that's what's happening today. And I I assure you, this is it. God takes away so that he can add himself, so that what he does give us doesn't replace him, but just becomes a means 
of revealing him to others. See, everything he gives us, everything in the material, is just a means for us to be able to present him, uh, present him to others. That's all it is. Otherwise, if it's not Jesus, those things possess us. We don't possess them. And that's why it says in 1 John 2.15, love not the world. And this is where it says, neither the things, the possessions, the things that are in the world. You see, these Sadducees thought that P- Peter and John were a bunch of dummies, a bunch of idiots. Because that's what they thought of the Lord. He doesn't know anything. Even Jesus wasn't lettered. He didn't go to the schools. He didn't go to the schools to become something. What are schools going to make me that Jesus hasn't already made me to be? What are they going to do? And it's all true for every single one of us. And so we're little. We're very, very little. Because otherwise, and I loved this, and I'll close with this. We'll just keep it, we'll keep it small, little, and simple. Uh, I just want to be able to give it the way that God gave it to me this morning without adding or taking away from it. And uh, again, this is Ephesians now. We turn there in Ephesians. And when you, next time you read, or you take the time to read the epistle of Ephesians, that's your, that is God's love letter to you personally. It's what it is. It is his love letter to you. And by the way, some have said, that we no longer follow Jesus, we follow Paul. Well, I got news for them in love. I say it in love. I say it in love, okay? Everything about Paul when he met, met Jesus on the road to Damascus was Jesus, revealed in him as a vessel. And that's why he said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Jesus. Oh, yeah. And he said, and basically what he's saying is, hey, I'm little now. My name is Paul, little. I used to be Saul, very big in my eyes. That's what those names meant. I used to be very big. And so these Sadducees considered the fact that these men, these, these fishermen, were very ignorant. They were very unlearned and ignorant men. And do you know what they found out? Boy, they sound just like Jesus. So they, they knew, oh, we knew. We can see, yeah, that's who they're with. But they don't have the riches we do. They don't have the positions in the world that we do. And there's some that have those positions that were still common people, by the way. In Mark 12, verse 37. Oh, yes. And I've seen them, too. And so have you and others. And they're not lettered. They don't have riches and things that we do. They don't have anything. They don't have anything. That's what the world tells you. You have to be educated by the world. Yeah, but who's the God of this world? You know, that's why it says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3, if our gospel be hit, who's our? That's you and me. That's who that is. That's you and me. If our gospel be hid, really, you know what what we could say? If our Jesus be hid, because that's the gospel. Gospel is where we get the word God spell, and God spells himself out through Jesus Christ. And that, and, and he said, if our, if our Jesus in us be hid, it is hid. If it's hid to us, it's going to be hid to them. If I'm lost in areas of not understanding and proper experience, then people, when they see me, they're going to see me just like them. But if our gospel be hid, that could be who we are in Christ, or it could be really badly the unsaved. It is hid to them that are what? Lost. Oh, you don't think the enemy would want you to go get educated in the world, gather riches to keep you lost, to keep you lost in them, to keep you separated in terms of salvation or a proper experience in Christ. Everything about us is Jesus. Yes, he gave it to Paul, but in the same way he gave it to Paul, he gave it to you and I. And some may understand it by pure grace, nothing to do with a common natural understanding. That's what, that's what this scripture teaches us. And this is what it means between the common of who we, are, who we were in the flesh in Adam and the common of who we are now in Jesus Christ. And common is where we get that word, that Greek word, kinonia, fellowship. 
We all have had things common. You'll see it even in Acts, the second chapter. If anyone had a need in the local assembly, they all shared from their portions so that he who lacked didn't. And that's how it worked. Literally, it's how it, that's how it was. Because what? The, whose possessions were they? They were still the Lord's to be used according to his direction and the edification, the glorification of Christ and the blessing and edification of others. But this is, this is James, the third chapter. Verse 14 says, But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, in your mind, thoughts, right? Glory not and lie not against the truth. And we know the truth is Jesus. Okay, Because if without Jesus is their truth, without Jesus is their grace. No wonder it says in John 1 and verse 14, we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten. He was filled up. Listen to what it says. Of all that grace and truth is, he is that. That's, a, that's, who, that's what we have, all of us do. Now we're learning it. But the teachers, the one that teaches it is not better than the one that possesses it but doesn't yet experience it. He's not any better. He doesn't know more. He's a little plow boy. That's all. That's all he is. And that's why Paul would even say in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13, even if we abide not faithful, we're going to blow it. We're going to make mistakes. And a lot of times we may not want to, but we're ignorant. We're feeble. <laughs> we're weak, frail vessels, fragile vessels. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have the treasure. And we need to see the treasure in each of us and not know us after our failures or our feebleness or our mistakes and these other things. But that's why he said, even if we abide not faithful, and Paul was including himself, by the way. He abides faithful. Who? Jesus. Not Paul. It's not Pauline doctrine. It's the teaching of Jesus Christ through an apostle who didn't know a thing apart until he, anything until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Furthermore, he counted it all done in Philippians 3.8. All his learning, his letters and his status in the world were nothing when he met Jesus. That's why it says here, well again in 2 Timothy 2.13, even if we abide not faithful, he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Do you know what that means? This is what he's saying, little plow boy, little plow girl, I will never deny my love for you, ever. And don't you ever receive anything else. And no one, is, no one that teaches you or shares, I should say, who's taught himself, is ever greater than you, ever. Never, 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 never. He can't deny himself. He, God will not deny who he's made you to be in the son of his love. That's Colossians 1, verse 13. Because he said, but if you don't experience this, if you and I don't experience this, in James 3 and verse 14, but if you have bitter envying, that's all. Listen, when you don't have a proper, Christians, they don't have a proper experience and through pride refuse to receive it for, through those that God has chosen, they, get, they have bitter envying. They want what they have, but they can't experience it. But yet they don't want to receive it from that vessel. Well, tell me who isn't a fragile clay jar that God ever used in the Bible? Well, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, don't glory in that. That's pride, right? And lie, stop lying against the truth, against Jesus. It's just Jesus. It's very simple. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthy. It's all earthly. See the things of the earth? Status symbol, how you look, how you can appear to others so you can have a great reputation while inside, oh boy, what's the inside like? You know, that's what he said against the Pharisees. Not saying that against us in Christ, by the way. I'm going to make that crystal clear. He's not saying that about a single person here because you're in Christ. But the Pharisees, they had it all together on the outside. But Jesus, you read Matthew 23. He said, you're a whited sepulcher. You look beautiful on the outside, but inside you're filled with dead man's bones. Pride. 
arrogance. Pride is one thing. You see, pride is intrinsic. Arrogance is now you lord it over others with your knowledge, with your understanding. Only one head, and that's Christ in Colossians 1.18 and Colossians 2.19. This wisdom descends not from above. John 3.27 says, Can a man receive anything except that come from above? That's Jesus coming down. And in 3.30, he said, we must increase. Listen, you have the increase in you as much as I do. Did you know that? Did I know that? You are increased in Christ as much as I am. I may have walked the road, the road of grace, which includes failure and all kinds of things. May understand it by pure grace, the truth but you still have the increase. But we must decrease in John 3.30. We have to. That's why God took everything away from Job. Now, I'm t- listen, I can't tell you. That's why he separates even loved ones. Listen to me, because he wants you for himself. He separates. He separates because he wants you for himself. And you're going to learn things there that are going to be Unbelievable. And, he, and when, whether, even when you don't know it, he's going to be ministering to others through you. And the same with the other one. That's why it happened. I promise you that's why. I, I know it for a fact. And God takes away to do what? To add. That's what he did with Job. He took everything. He allowed the enemy to take everything away from Job. But when he finally got Job right in an intimate relationship with him, finally, in Job, the 32nd chapter, finally, finally, when he stopped the blame game, when he stopped justifying himself based upon his own self-righteousness, when he had to do that, and that was a process, finally, in the 42nd chapter, when he said, I finally see him. I finally see the way he loves me. Even the way I am right now, he loves me. Oh, God. And that was when God was able to give him back double. Because God wants us to himself. Boy, if he doesn't have us, other possessions possess us. And we want to possess people, too, to get those possessions. Many times... And things that have happened with people here, people here, like I, could, I can't do things for myself, yet when I saw things happening in people's lives, I wanted to intervene, and God went, that's up to me, you stay away. Don't get in the way of my desire for intimacy with them. Don't you get in the way. You, you just be quiet and you pray. Okay. <laughs> when God speaks, it's like, okay. Little plowboy. Okay. Yeah, okay, it's so much better, okay. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthy. Sensual, the word sensual here simply means natural. It's not just like sexual sins and all this, or other, all other kinds of perversions. I can use things that God gives me in a very perverted way. The things aren't perverted, but I can if they are used to replace Jesus Christ in my life. It's just the way it is. It means natural. Back to the common again. Common way of thinking. Common way of living. Life is my details. No, it's not. Nope. My circumstances and situations dictate to me how I should live and how I don't live. Nope. That's not the book of Job. Although some will say that was some fancy story, not even real. And that's why sometimes you have to bring up those, not to condemn them, but to con- condemn what they teach. It's not true, and not that anyone is, is a scholar or a theologian. I get a kid, theologian, what does theologian mean? Theo is God, logian is word, that's Christ. That's, that's it. None of us are. Paul wasn't that. He wasn't a theologian or a scholar. Nobody is. No one is. That's why it says in 1 John 2.20, we all have an unction. That's the Holy We all have that because Christ the increase is in us. That's why it says in 1 John 2.27, we don't have need that any man should teach us. 
because we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going to use just any man. He's going to use an empty one that's filled with Jesus. Otherwise, you're not going to get him because he didn't have him. He may teach him, maybe in areas he never did, but he will, thank God. It's, so it's natural, and then it's even demonic, it says. And the, the demonic expresses itself through the natural. For where there is envying and strife, there is what? There is what? Confusion, unquietness, no rest. It's confusion. Right? 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Christ is not the author of confusion, but of life and peace. He does everything in an order in 1 Corinthians 14, 40. And confusion, and when it's confusion, it's the result of what? Every evil work. But separated from that, the wisdom that is from above is what? First what? Pure. Pure. Did you know that we are pure in God's eyes and our position in Christ? Yeah? And we're all equal in that sense? But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then what? Peaceable, ah, peaceable. Gentle and easy. Does it sound like Jesus? Gentle and easy to be entreated. Without partiality. <laughs> oh, we're greater than you. We have a position. We have a place. We have the robes to, re to reveal it, the collars and the degrees. <laughs> they don't do it like the Pharisees used to. Flactories on their eyes so everyone could see them. Scriptures on their arms, all over, so that they could be seen of men. No, today it's letters after the name. Listen, they were, they were unlettered. They were unlettered. There are none that are Christians that are greater than others. There's none, not a single one. Matter of fact, who did Jesus use the most in turn to teach truth? The church's worst enemy. <laughs> We're not following Paul. We're following Jesus and what he gave him. I just wish others had that. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy. Ah, good fruits. Yeah, if there's mercy, who's our high priest, our merciful, great and high priest in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16? Where do the good fruits come from? In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it's God, the Holy Spirit, who takes the fruit of the accomplishment of who Christ was and is in his person and the work that he finished for us. Good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy, not being a pretender, like I have something that other Christians don't. No, you have it. You have the increase. We all just need to be taught because we're all little plowboys plow girls and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace instead of being an alien I just quickly do this because I don't want to speak too long I already have <laughs> I already have but Ephesians Ephesians 2 12 it says that at that time you were without Christ notice that that's Paul saying it. He didn't put his name there. You were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promises, having no hope and without God in the world. That's the first common who we were. That's what we all had in common. And we fellowshiped together. We gathered together and that's what we did. Not now in Christ. We have a different commonality, a different, and that's fellowship in 1 John 1, 1 through 3, and we have it with each other in the fourth verse. Okay? But now, separated from that, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of, Je by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who's broken down, who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of petitions between us, having a, a slain in his body the enmity contained in, in the ordinances for to make in himself of, of uh, twain, two, one new man. We'll get into this in the morning. 
tomorrow morning in a very uh, uh, a deeper way. But that word alien, I just want us to see what that word alien means. And they're not from another planet. And they're not other beings, by the way, from other planets. You can scrap that, okay? They don't exist. There are angels and men, period, period. The word alien is from this Greek word, A-P-A-L-L-O-T-I-O-O. Apollo true triuo. That's literally how it is pronounced. And this is what this word is from. Now, this is common. We have, listen, we have this in common. We can all understand this. Listen, if I can understand this, so can you. You just have to trust God being treatable, just like I have. Like we all have in common. Don't we all have to be trust? Don't we have to trust Him? So the teacher who receives from God is no different than those that are the same as him. <laughs> it's from the Greek word apo, A-P-O. It's a primary or a primitive or a primary particle, meaning it's part of a word. But when that word begins with apo, it means off. Oh, oh how the enemy wants to get us off intimacy with Christ and making Jesus everything and replacing him. Apo. And off, it means away. Listen to what it says. To, away from something in various senses. Now, where do we use our senses? Listen. The place where we are, don't we? The time we're in, and has some form or kind of a relation. But be off from it. And it's from the word Apollo trio, trios. That word is from alos. We'll get into these tomorrow. A-L-L-O-S. And that is a primary or primitive primary word. It means else. Something different. Another. Other. Or other's wisdom. <laughs> and it means this. That word in its finality means to estrange away. To be a non-participant. To be non-participant. Every single one of us have that in common. Every single one of us. We were all little plow boys or plow girls. And I tell you honestly, this morning, and I did, I don't know about you, some have, can be smarter in certain ways, and I mean that too, and I'm fine with it. I really am. I really am really okay with that. But I told the Lord this morning, I don't even think I would have known how to hitch the thing. That's, honestly, that's the way it is with me. I don't even know if I could hitch that thing up to the mule or the horse. And then if I was supposed to do the straight lines, and boy, we need to think in a straight line. In Psalm 16, 6, the lines are falling out unto me in pleasant places. And Jesus told me this morning, those lines are all lit up with light. And they're telling you, they're here. Don't go out. It's dark. Don't you go out for my love. So he was telling me. I said, I don't even think I could even do those lines the straight way. Literally. <laughs> I, I, you know, but if you take your eye off of it, yes, you take your eye off his love, and even those things that we, <laughs> I'm gonna be a little. So, Father, thank you for your love and for your word this morning. I just pray that you would bless us intimately and deeply this morning, each of us, in the only way that you can. In Jesus' name, Amen. <laughs>